All right, we got some interesting news, some exciting topics, but uh, you're going to have to listen to the show to get it. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Hyperborean Radio. I'm Celtic God. The other guy's going to be the lore keeper as always, and uh, yeah, let's dive into this. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, and actually I'm doing fairly well. Uh, partly, uh, you and I are actually going on another camping survival trip soon, but it will not affect the podcast schedule. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to a couple of university academics. Now, typically, I'm not very, I'm not very pro-academic because I've dealt with so many in the past. But I think what I've been dealing with is a lot of armchair academics because the ones I talked to were actually, it was a very nice, nice conversation. Pleasant. Pleasant. Pleasant's a better Ple- word. Pleasant, because nice indicates like a falsehood. And yes, it, was it was actually not. It was, it was a very pleasant conversation. We talked about everything from funeral traditions to folklore to uh, folk religion to everyday customs. History, tradition, all, all that all, good all stuff. All this sort of stuff. And I actually ended up showing them our work. Well, and, and in some ways you even showed them um, how more of these fields interact with each other than first meets the eyes. Oh, yes. And... They were actually impressed with our work. I was surprised. Yeah. Because. Well, because anybody that listens to us all the time knows that we're building a website. And yeah, you shared part of that website with them. Yeah. And they were impressed by what's happened so far. So that was, that's us tooting our own horn for a little bit. But what we actually want to talk about today is actually something that we've sort of been talking about for the last few podcasts. And that's villages. Yeah. I mean, really, there's. Well, we actually just watched an interesting video. And what that one was about was taking existing neighborhoods and transforming them transforming them into villages, which we've discussed before on... What was the name of that podcast? Neighborhoods was neighborhoods, the podcast. Yeah. It, we, we have actually talked about this, and they actually brought up most of the same topics that we did. Most the of the ne- same suggestions. Uh, everything from there's got to be this common area, the sort of encouraging community... A sense of place, uh, local, the ability to access resources locally without mm-hmm. going, you know, like 20 miles well, left Well, and or it's right. not about eliminating private property, it's a, but it does require people to stop behaving like petty warlords. Yes. Well, the way I describe it is it's not about removing private property. It's about not having the private properties touch and having commons in the middle. Yeah. Because everyone always talks about the tragedy of the commons, but in practice, the tragedy of the commons doesn't actually happen as much as people seem to think it does. Because people assume tragedy of the commons, you have... Everybody uses the same grazing area, so eventually the grazing area just gets used up and then there's no grazing area. But then the whole town is going to be out in economic income and starve. Right. Well, in America, I guess you could say that, that it started with the whole land baron concept and then to fight back against land barons rather than the path that was chosen rather the path that was chosen was for everybody to become land barons and behave in the same way as opposed to just simply disenfranchising that petty warlord well it's a common hobby among certain groups in america to behave and pretend to be feudal warlords yeah and don't step on my yard not one toe. It, it, it's it's 
It's detrimental. It's detrimental. That attitude is detrimental to the concept of, of uh, community. And the video that we watched, he brought up a, a, a good point is most people view themselves as their job. They view themselves as the consumer that because that's what we've been taught that we are. We're not people. We are our job. We are the things that we own. We are the things that we can afford to purchase. We view even our houses as a commodity. This is my 40 acres. This is my house. I have to think of resale value. And that means no real personality to it. Because if I put personality into it, then I'm narrowing the market that I can potentially sell to. It's even reflected even in TV shows, music, so on and so forth. When you, And I've said it a lot. When you make something for everybody, you're making it for nobody. Which is what's happened to homes. It's what's happened to neighborhoods. It's what happened to towns and villages. It's what causes the cookie-cutter houses. and It's what causes every urban center to be exactly What was that one horror movie? Um, they so, did it recently where it's in a suburb and all the houses are the same. I think it was called Suburbia, but I might be thinking of something else. But basically what it was was... It was an eternal suburb, and they were trapped yeah, there by like an alien entity. To it, it was creepy. Yeah, it was really creepy. It, it was not good, but it, it's like the American suburb taken to the extreme. It is what that horror movie is, and what we're talking about is undoing that horror. It doesn't need to be that way. There can be walking paths. There can be I don't know trees. There, trees in people's yards should have tree houses in them. There should be sitting benches and not just cold, stark, or metal sitting benches sitting out in the full ray of the sunlight, but under shade, whether that's a tree or an awning, and it be inviting, not hard and cold. Well, when every, it's like we said in um, industry. There are certain things that cannot become commodities, that cannot be industrialized. Or shouldn't be. Or shouldn't be. And it's happened across the board. Like, it's actually rather famous in uh, the city of Phoenix, Arizona, mm -hmm. is Phoenix is set up in such a way. And it might have changed since then, but uh, this is something I heard about, where a lot of the people that live in Phoenix, Arizona are specifically there to build houses for Phoenix, Arizona, which sounds all right until you realize the houses they're building are then occupied by people who are building houses. houses. So it's like a giant pyramid scheme of the city. So it exists because Phoenix is constantly expanding. The moment it stops expanding is the moment that all of a sudden the economy just tanks. Right. Well, now one place that the person that did the, the video that we was talking about, because I'm going to reference that a fair bit, is he lays the blame for a lot of the stuff at the feet of the state and the Fed. Some of it does lie there. However, most of it actually lies at the feet of the, the tyranny that most homeowners live under is by it lie the responsibility for that tyranny lies at the feet of the local homeowners organization uh, the the township whether it's the in a council the yeah, bloody council yeah, the as bloody the council, would say whether you're in an urban uh, uh urban suburban or rural area it's the township it's the county it's that's where most of these rules come from like well, why do I have to have a license to put up a pinwheel? The Fed doesn't give a shit about your pinwheel. It doesn't have any rules about your pinwheel. Neither does the state, because why the hell would the state care? However, 
the fucking council, that homeowner's organization, does care about your pinwheel because it lowers the home value. What? Well, and that's... I don't care if you got a thousand pinwheels in your yard. Have a thousand pinwheels in your yard. Nobody, it's nobody's business how many pinwheels you have in your yard. Quite frankly. Well, and how they think is actually revealed in that statement. It lowers the value. Mm -hmm. What? So you're making people's day-to-day lives, their, their, their solace, their homes, less inviting, less of a home, because even though they own it, it's still a commodity that for some reason specifically affects your perception of your your home. Yeah. So well, and let's be honest. It's all about control. It's these petty warlords. It's petty. And if you happen to be on a town council, if you happen to be a local leader of your community, bravo. Now start fighting against this stuff and being like, come on now. This is stupid. Well, and let the people know. Go around. Be loud. Be belligerent in public and let the people know what's going on. Well, in their areas and there's people that's making these decisions that is going to affect your life and i'm the only one that's fighting against your right to have a damn pinwheel in your yard or uh, sorry i'm the only one fighting for your right to have a pinwheel in your yard and fighting against the people that doesn't want you to yeah i said it exactly backwards first i think yes you did it was very confusing yes but I mean, I'm sure everybody has met somebody who gets a modicum of power and immediately abuses it. Whether this is like a Discord moderator, whether this is uh, their boss at the local cafe. The, uh, what are the things called in schools? They used to get beat up all the time. Um, the the safety monitors. Mon- yeah, the hall monitors. And they immediately become petty tyrants. Well, it's because a lot of people find their way into positions of power. No matter how small. What's that one line from Vikings? It's actually really good. Power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. Yeah. It's That's not a hard and fast rule. There are exceptions, but you have to be aware of that rule or you will fall into that category. Well, it's like how's what's the easiest way to avoid getting uh, corrupted? To know that someone's actively trying to corrupt you. Yeah. It's whereas if you're just letting it passively happen, you could just wake up one day and realize you've just taken 17 bribes. Right. Well, and let's go down to the, the, the smallest petty tyrant, the hall monitor in school. Why does the hall monitor start becoming a, a petty tyrant? Because the teachers, all of the teachers suddenly start teaching or treating that hall monitor as if he's special. He starts treating him nicer, giving him. A little extra leeway. Oh, it's okay if he's seven minutes late to class because he's the hall monitor. But the rule says five. Yeah, but that's okay because he's the hall monitor. That little bit is its the bribe. That's what starts it. And the hall monitor himself probably doesn't even realize it. And then, you know, the teacher that lets the five minutes turn to seven, lets it turn to ten. Lets it turn into, well, he was gone the whole class. Right. But that teacher then says, people are running up and down in front of the halls in, in front of my class. Can, can you make sure that doesn't happen anymore? All of a sudden, he's going to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. People, even just a brisk walk, he's like, oh, a brisk walk leads to a jog. Well, it's those early bits of corruption that happen are not because of obvious bribes. It's let me take you out to lunch. Yeah. 
this is the most common one in in governance whether it's whether it's uh what are those things called uh the homeowners organization there we go whether it's the bloody council or whether it's the senate the parliament the congress it doesn't matter what it is it always starts with well let me take you to dinner yes and let me take you to a show have you had this particular wine oh it's quite lovely it comes from the region that i oversee yes it it's a, it's almost an art form into itself the uh the art of the uh the bribe right now what does this have to do with what we first started talking about it's these people usually on the lower level that is making it hard for people to i don't know let a tree grow in their yard well, you see, you can't ha- let a tree grow in the yard because the power lines are a mere 50 feet away. The the phone lines are a mere 75 feet away. The water line runs 150 feet away. So you can't have a tree here because everyone knows that the roots are going to grow right through those. You got a license for having a mailbox that's blue? Yes. You got a license? And that's what it turns into. However, we can change many of these rules, and a lot of people don't realize it because they think it's state and federal, and then you got to go so far up the ladder to get these rules changed. Most of these rules are not coming down on our heads from that high up. Well, and the, Too much power is ascribed to them. It's not that they're not power-hungry monsters, because they are, but their power is not going all the way down to there because in reality they don't give a fuck no it's the local council that's who's doing it your local the local council can be easily changed can be easily petitioned can be easily reminded they don't have any real power so long as they are either actively challenged or they aren't allowed to just do what they want Mm -hmm. because a lot of people forget that they even have a council oh yeah or shoot i know that we have a council here i have no idea who's on it i've never seen anything run for it. i would have to do so much looking into it like a lot of positions honestly right now i would run for it if we wasn't planning planning on going to a different area to make what we're doing easier which is actually kind of what because a lot of these these rules because of how the united states is set up it's sort of Right now, it's top down, but it also is bottom up. Yeah, it's a bit it meets odd. in the middle, to be honest. Yes, but a a town can effectively affect its own laws. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, with your town charter, with all these sort of local ordinances or whatever, if you actually start a town, which people people act like this is impossible. It happened hundreds of thousands of times throughout American history. Where do you think all these towns came from? Yeah. Like whole cities have risen in the last hundred uh, years mean, in the United States. There's a surprising amount of people. If they look into the history of the town that they live in, somebody typically one person actually started your town. If you live in a town named Newberry or uh, what, what's another Johnsonville, Odds are it was somebody with the last name Newberry or Johnson or Franklin that actually started that town. Like, literally, they bought the land, they developed it, they sold sections of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I started the town, I get to name it, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, and it's still happening now. Most people don't realize that's happening. 
and, well, and they just don't follow that same naming scheme anymore because it's corporations that's doing it rather than individuals that's doing it. Oh, yes. Uh, do you live in uh, Google, New York? Yeah. So, but the nice thing about starting off with that, whether you're buying a ghost town or starting a new one or any high Or converting the one that you live in. Yes, because if you can, go ahead and do that. I mean, here's my suggestion if you're going to run for, if you're going to follow all this wide advice that's, that's put out by all these uh, YouTube personalities that's well-intentioned and some of it's really good advice. Run for your town council. Get you and a bunch of friends. To run for all the spots in the town council. Now, this is your platform. We are not going to enact more rules. We are going to, sorry, we are going to, I got excited and banged the, the, the boom arm. But we are not running on creating more rules. What we are running on is we are going to remove existing rules. You try that because everybody else runs on. We are going to create a new law that does this thing. How about this? Try it the exact opposite. And then send us a message at hyperboreanradio, uh, dot or at gmail.com. There we go. Yes. To let us know if this works. Whether it's you're running for a mayoral spot or a small township spot. Um, school, uh, school boards. Run on the premise that you're going to relax rules that are already in place. Running is good for kids. So we are going to relax this, I, I don't care, a, a, a time of day where everybody is encouraged and allowed to go outside and run around like maniacs in the playground that we have that's not used. Because, for instance, some schools still have recess. I'm going to go with the school board thing. Some schools still have recess, right? Not many of them. Most schools have a playground. Most of the playgrounds are unused. High, middle school and high school don't have a recess. So what we're going to do, because obesity is a problem with our, with our student body. So what we're going to do is we're going to take lunch and we're going to open it up from 20 minutes to one hour. And, and we're going to do away with one study hall if it's high school or whatever. So that the day doesn't become longer. And we're going to encourage the students to go outside and hang out in the playground that the high school students weren't allowed to go to because that's that's where the little kids go and play. But the thing is, the little kids do that earlier in the day. So then allow the big kids to go out there and do big kid things because the little kids are going to see them and they'll want to grow up to be them. So try it. We'll run on something with the premise that you're going to relax the rules. If it's a town council, we're now going to encourage people to beautify their their yard if they plant a tree we're going to lower the the town taxes for them something like that it doesn't matter what the thing is you see well, what i'm saying and you can probably start with some of the ludicrous laws that everyone likes to mock like some towns it's still legally against the law to grow a beard yeah or some will have like it is illegal to give a bear a bath within well, this county and every time that you remove a rule like we have discovered in our town it is illegal to grow a beard. We wish to remove this rule. You announce this rule has now been removed and you are now legally allowed to grow a beard. You are now allowed to bathe your pet bear on Tuesdays. We have also allowed you, or we're not allowing you. 
We have also repealed the rule that makes it so that you cannot, on every third Sunday, allow a pie to cool on your windowsill, which for some reason is a real rule in some town somewhere. I, I had fun for a while looking up ridiculous rules. These rules are still in place. Run on removing the stupid. I bet you in some areas, people's going to be like, what? In other areas, you will get elected to these positions if for no other reason than, hey, this person's just saying something different. I don't know what it means, but at least it's not more of the same. Well, and here's the thing is, at least in our country, because I, I, I don't have like an encyclopedia of every country. In the United States, our first kind of founding rules, which is the Constitution and the amendments, did not actually give anyone rights. Like the amendments, mm -hmm. everyone acts like, well, it gave you the right to bear rules arms. Rules take rights away. They don't give rights to. Yes. That is quite simply the way that yes. it is. But the amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights especially, in the United States, is acknowledging rights you have. Now, some of them seem kind of obscure, but basically they come down to acknowledging the rights that you have as a living thing. Like the Second Amendment just basically means you're allowed to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether that's with a gun, a samurai sword, a fucking cannon. Doesn't matter. You want to go wily e. coyote and start throwing acme anvils at people, provided it's a form of self-defense. Perfectly legal. Perfectly acceptable. Because it's not about... The amendments to the Constitution of the United States are not about giving you rights. It's not about establishing rules. It's about saying, you as a living thing have this right. It is the exact same... Um, rights that every living creature on the planet has. It or, has the right. Yes, your dog, your pig, has a natural right to defend itself. Yes, the pig has the right to attack. The dog has the right to attack. All admitting that humans have the right to bear arms does is admit you have the right to defend and attack and do what you need to to defend what's yours and to accomplish what you have as your goals. Mm -hmm. So... It doesn't take away your right. It doesn't tell you you have the right to have a gun. It's telling you that you have the right to defend yourself. And, and I want to in interject here a little bit because there might be some confusion with language. Like you said, to defend what's yours. This is 100% correct. However, most people will think of what's mine as my car. No, what's yours is, yes, it is your car. It is your home. It is your pinwheel that, that we put out in the yard. But it is also your family. It is your friends. It is your your pets, your, it's everything that you are attached to. It can even be yours is your place of work. This is what yours is. It means it's yours. Anything that your life touches, naturally, you have the right to defend. These rights have been stripped away by rules and laws. Rules and laws only take away. I just wanted to really emphasize what yours ultimately means it means anything that your life touches well and this this lack of attachment this lack of the ability to defend what's yours or develop what's yours because that's effectively what's being attacked and this is why like america doesn't really have for the most part there are exceptions but by and large we don't have what people would call villages mm-hmm like you you have so you have we might suburbs. even live in things called villages but they aren't and you know it yes it's a village. I'm going to use kind of a more specific use of the term is a town or living area 
whether it's a large neighborhood or whatever, specifically designed for people to live in. Not as a commodity, but as a habitat. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate using words like that because of the fact that it starts becoming pretentious. Like I'm almost looking at it like a zoological study, but it's true. That most people would not describe a suburb as an ideal way for people to live. Much like, uh, I don't know, a factory farm is not an ideal place for a cow to raise its offspring. Well, quite often, these villages, these neighborhoods, these towns are more described towards prisons and cages than habitats. Well, it's We need to start actually rearranging this and making them habitats as opposed to cages that we live in. Well, I mean, it's even been commented on that most forms of modern schooling are more akin to prisons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's bars on the windows in many cases. Sometimes you actually have to cross a security barrier. Uh, you have to, in many cases, you have to walk almost like walking prisoners from one area to another. Your day is completely regimented, and you are specifically taught how you're supposed to behave. And effectively, the individual in charge of the school is judge jury and executioner right well and you're given your thoughts that you're allowed to think you're giving the words that you're allowed to say you're given everything is regimented to the point where the person is no longer a person oh yeah you're just a number a number a commodity a cog in the wheel and a lot of most of the hyperborean way is about breaking that way of thinking uh, my ho- my home is my castle. This is true. However, if you have a community, your home is part of a bastion of security for your community. It's not just your spot, your little kingdom from this this spot right here to 150 feet over here is your kingdom. Well, no, look, it's you're supposed to be a bastion of security for the overall of your community. The people that when you step out in your backyard, you see other people and you say hello and how are you today? And would you care for a cup of tea or whatever the fuck it is? Well, it's for everyone who says the home is their home is their castle or their home is their palace or their domain. What castle is defended by one person or a single nuclear family successfully against an invading army? Yeah. Uh, And think in those terms, like an army, not one or two people, the the rogues upon the road. No, the invading army. Well, it's another thing to consider is nature. Even if it's the king's army. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's nature abhors straight lines. And I'm going to bring this up because it's actually something that the village video that you brought up Mm -hmm. brings up is humans are not meant to travel in straight lines. This sounds like a really weird thing to bring up, but like when you're walking down a sidewalk, everything looks the same. Mm -hmm. No matter what sidewalk you're on, there's houses to your left, houses to your right. It's not until you get to like winding paths through forests or plains or prairie or parks or whatever that there's some level of. Organic nature. Of actual movement. Yeah. Because, like, this is actually something I used to do um, when I lived in my hometown. Is while there was there was straight paths everywhere, you know, like every town. Mm-hmm. What there was also was a, I don't want to say common, 
but it was a college town, so there was a lot of areas that were owned by the university. Right, and they're actually called commons. Yes. They're, for anybody that's never been to college. Yes. So what happened would, I would take the, the sidewalk for a certain amount, and then when I would hit these commons, what I would do is I would walk straight through the grass because I could, and then it would be a much more interesting walk because there's hills, there's people in hammocks, typical college crap, mm-hmm. and you go from one end to the other, and I can basically, I can actually cut my trip in half while also avoiding going straight lines, and I would do this all the time because, one, it was just more enjoyable of a, of a trip, and I had to walk a lot of areas. But two, it was kind of a fuck you because it's like, oh, you, you have all these sidewalks everywhere. I'm going to pick option C. Yes, which we need more option C. I understand we can't go through and rip up all the sidewalks and so on. So we should. But I understand for most of us, this is not an option without seeing the inside of a jail cell. But what we can do is start taking over some of the small governmental bodies that will allow us to have, let's call them historic walkways. What is a historic walkway? Well, this this section of sidewalk was laid down in 1963 by these these people who happened to be on the work crew. This is now a historic section. We cannot we cannot replace it. It is irreplaceable. And then as as it becomes to the point where it needs something needs done, replace that with uh, wood chips or gravel or something like that, which is. It's a more natural thing to walk on to encourage people to walk. Well, what I want to say is we're not a political organization. We've made that fairly clear. The reason we're encouraging people to do this is in many areas, especially in the local level, this is how you could, if not affect change, at least gunk up the mechanisms of political control. Yeah. And in the end, it would be up to you and your community to figure out what's best for you. We're not going to tell you how to do it. Lie. You have to have a will of fucking iron to not fall for the corruption. Th- this is where our women's natural tendency, to- not not natural, but our c- women's corrupted tendency towards Karenism can come in handy. Mm-hmm. Weaponize the Karen. Yes, for the positivity of the community. Yes, well, it's something people have brought up is... That same stubbornness that when corrupted creates the Karen that everyone complains about in our women is also the absolute stubborn iron will that can get your doctor to drop your medical bill because you brought a why is this Band-Aid $200 on the bill? And 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 then you bring in a whole box of Band-Aids and it's like my bill's paid. Right. There you go. There's like $20,000 there. Um. It's also that same nature that gets community um, community celebrations going. Like the community barbecue, she harasses everybody until they show up. And they have fun whether they want to have fun or not. Damn well, it. And well, bring your kids. Well, and a lot of it is, we've brought this up before, is our people are behaving in tune with our own nature. But what it is, is it's gunked up. Yeah, it's the same it's thing corrupted. that we've been talking about since we started podcasting. Our natures have been twisted into this thing, which it, it's it's a form of cannibalism as opposed to a form of growth. Well, it's yeah, cultural cannibalism. Yeah. But for instance, like I'll, I'll bring up the, the hipster with the, the freaking top knot man bun 
growing the beard out, wearing more masculine clothes. And they end up looking like a skinny twig with the most ridiculous haircut imaginable and a poodle cut on their face. This is... They're trying. Everything they're doing on paper is technically correct. Even the man bun, as much as I absolutely detest that, I think it looks... Um, but anyway, it's a traditional haircut. For boys. For boys. And that is the other thing. Or it is traditional for our... It's not even traditional. It's biological for our men to grow beards. Mm -hmm. It's not typically normal for us to shape it into uh, some District 1 Hunger Games bullshit. Right, and let it go wild. And the thing is, it's not going to grow out of control if you actually do things. Na it, the very nature of the things that you do is going to dictate its length. Well, or don't do, for that matter. You don't grow a really long beard. Ask anybody with a really long beard. They have to take special care of it to get it really long. Well, it's like uh, it used to be something for the crones. To have long hair was a sign of status. Mm -hmm. Partially because they were, A, healthy enough that their hair hadn't started getting that old woman slowly going bald look. But, two... They literally would have hair carriers, yes. and it was a place of honor. Some of the most dangerous, respected women would fight over carrying the crone's hair. Yeah. Not, not the maiden's hair. The crone's hair. Yeah. Uh, the, typically, the longer, longest the maiden hair usually got was enough to cover the titties. Usually. Uh, Unless she was of great and utter standing, in which case her hair, like the Victorian hair thing, which got out of control. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why those rich Victorian snobby, what's the polite word, bitches, would do that. Is it was, it was a false imitation of what the peasantry was doing. Oh, everybody respects this old crone, and they have young women who are dangerous, and sometimes young men carrying their hair look at the respect i demand that respect it must simply because their hair is so long so then they start growing their hair out to these ridiculous lengths well it's the difference and don't understand why the what the how well it comes well and that's another thing is like uh berserkers for instance mm -hmm. if you buy a bear skin off the internet and just start wearing it around it's just a piece of costumery it means nothing mm -hmm. you have to earn that bear skin you have to actually have killed it. And not just have killed it, but have earned it. Yeah, the bear like, has to present itself. Like fought the bear hand-to-hand -to, -hand to take the skin away from him. Now, granted, uh, typically they allow you a knife. Well, yes, because, which is still considered hand-to-hand. -hand. Yeah. Now, it was, it was only a knife. Yeah. So they weren't allowed to go in with the spear because they understood the spear kept you out of the bear's reach. And reach. Well, so and, that's not fair. Well, you might not go armored, but they didn't typically make you go in naked. No, um, but they was stripped of their hard armor. Yeah, so you could wear gambeson or some gambeson, something like that. Basically, it was a and way some, to even some. Them. Some of the groups was like, no, you gotta go fight it naked. Naked, naked. Those are the hard. Naked is the day that you barn. The hardcore or uh, tribes, and, and they also typically sometimes they would hunt them, but. Typically, they wouldn't actually hunt them. It was a fight of opportunity. Well, the bear... We are here. The bear is here. Strip down. Here's your knife. Go go fight the bear. Go challenge the bear to a fight. Well, and the bear... The bear in a lot of our folklore is 
seen as a human ancestor. It's It's got names like Forest Cousin, Old Man of the Mountain, Grandfather of the Forest. Sometimes straight up brother. Brother Bear. Brother of the Forest. Some of those things. It was actually considered by some tribes, I forget which ones, to be cannibalism to eat the bear. So it was actually taboo to eat bear meat. Um, I know that there's some areas in Sweden that's like that. Some in Germany. I'm sure, I'm sure that there's areas all over the place well, that was like that. This is another thing is bears. Bears and other animals are part of the neighborhood, part of the village, part of the community. Oh, yes, yes. Not just the domestic ones, but the wild ones. Right, well, like the the video that we watched, he specifically mentioned domestic animals like pigs and goats. Rabbits. Rabbits, which is true. But it's also the wild animals. We need to stop freaking out because, oh, my goodness, there's a raccoon there, and the raccoon is going to sprout bat wings and then fly up and bite my dog in the nose, and then he's going to have the rabies, and then he's going to... most of this is just propaganda. It's not true. It's like the, you got to drink eight glasses of water every day to be healthy. Well, how big are these glasses? It's just, it's just a number that somebody Uh, uh, threw uh, out there to sound uh, official and smart. Just like the six feet of uh, distance during the pandemic. It was very, um, just random, just random drawn out out of a hat to sound official. But birds like bird feeders. I've been to neighborhoods where bird feeders were banned why well, well because then, of the bird flu and it's gonna kill everybody and everybody's gonna die and then we'll grow scales and what the f- no well no. and then here's the thing is don't get mad if things don't always work out like you'll put up an owl house and then an opossum moves in yes because owls Be are okay delicious. with it what you're doing is you're putting up a house for the wildlife who are going to use it however they see fit just because you intend it for the owl does not mean that it's bad that an opossum moved into it. Well, and actually, animals will gladly move in next to us. Like, there are people that will have bears live under their house. There are people that will have fox dens, coyote dens. And granted, there's a line. Like, if you have small kids, you probably don't want, like, a wolf pack roaming the back. Unless you get really friendly with the wolf pack, and then the wolf pack's like, these guys are I mean, right. you got to use a little bit of sense. Yeah. You have to use a little bit of sense and understand they are wild animals, but they are inherently evil. As a matter of fact, they're good for us and we are good for them. But there's lines. Well, like, um, but the lines are there. Those lines aren't hard, hard lines. The, the lines are blurry. Well, it's like everything shades of green. Yes. But like another thing is like we used to if we had like game birds like i was reading a book uh, recently and someone was talking about how when they were younger they used to uh have a, a covey of quail like bob white mm-hmm. that were in their backyard and this was a, probably a fairly big yard and what it would and it was a covey that they would encourage to live there and they'd hunt it but they'd only take so much and then they'd raise the the dogs to respect the birds and only hunt the birds when it was bird season. The rest of the time they were respectful. And then they would have the kids respect the dogs and the quail. So there was this lesson of respect and mutual benefit that these things... Because the quail, if they were like, well, three of us dying in this guy's backyard every year or however many he took is unacceptable, they would have moved on. Yeah. But... Honestly, that's probably a lower death rate than if they just lived in the woods and were getting hunted by foxes and bobcats and cougars and gators. There is a 
trade. Well, it's the same thing. And, and it's literally a trade in life. You cannot exist without having a trade in life. Yes, there is always going to be choices. And the trick is to not let ourselves become domesticated, not trade one thing for another until we're little better than a lot of domesticated animals. And a lot of our animals are overly domesticated, I would argue. But like, for instance, honeybees. Uh, this is actually an ongoing argument in the vegan community. Is, are, is honey vegan? Because there will be some vegans that will claim, no, because they got to grind up the bees to make the honey. And then there are some that it's more just, I don't like eating anything from animals. Uh, the, you know, yeah, the, it's, it's theft from the animal. Yeah. However, here's the thing is bees in many cases actually get to the point where the hive in general is friendly. Like maybe not an individual bee, but the hive as a whole recognizes mm-hmm. the beekeeper. And then here's the thing is there's enough honey there. And this actually comes back to the straight lines are abhorrent in nature is there have been beekeepers that have tried to take these these hives and make more natural shapes. So like make them round like the the tree stumps that they would actually put hives in. Or there's one acorn shape that works really well. And they got shut down. Or got punished or fined or something. There was something that actually made a lot of them stop. Now it's Mm -hmm. not across the board. But the reason they were doing that is because... It's always the the locals. It's the local law enforcement that ends up causing that. But the square beehive that's iconic is actually not good for the bees. There's a reason if you look at, like, really old beekeeping, they used round beehives. Right. Well, and the disappearance of of the the humble bumblebee. It's... Everybody looks for this one thing. It's not one thing. It's a series of events that's what causes anything to thrive or to decline massively it's it's almost never a very singular event it is a series of events so if you have the dte combined with roundup combined with people mowing their lawns to the point where flowers don't no longer grow or bloom except for in very small select patches they're therefore limiting the food food of the bees um and then you combine that with square boxes out in the middle of the sun where they cook to death on the inside you combine all of these things well yeah bumblebee numbers are going to decline i I mean quite simply well it's the same thing like um put pesticides on all the plants well, now you're killing the bees. And then even if the bees don't die, like there was recently like a scare, like a bunch of honeybee products had pesticide in them mm-hmm. on too high a level or something. But a lot of this is, I brought this up, I think it was in the industry podcast, which is things are being made where people have to adapt to them instead of them adapting to people. So a job advances, people just have to adapt. Well, Why? Why are we making things that are user unfriendly? Right. Why are we creating environments that people don't want to live in? Why are we dragging things further and further away from our own humanity? Yeah. Because uh, it actually used to be a thing in older cultures uh, where our people used to view things that were beautiful as being made by man. It wasn't that we didn't acknowledge nature. But we were a part of nature, the whole mm-hmm. thing. So what's beautiful? Well, beauty is what you create. So well, Even think of some of the most 
visually pretty pictures now where you have this old um, military fort, I guess, uh, out of stone, and it's overgrown with ivy, and there's trees growing up, up all around it, and you have a man-made thing that has become part of nature. We find that absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah, like the ruins of an abbey overgrown by the forest. Or, um, I don't know, like uh, an old an old wall that has ivy growing on it or has been there so long that it seems to have become part of the, the landscape. A lot of people, there, there's a negative element that often tries to frame humans as a net negative on the environment. Yeah. But then why has our shape evolved so many times? Why have we become what we are? And I think a lot of it comes down to people are not actually allowed to be people anymore. Mm -hmm. And where they are allowed to be people, because like I knew someone who was in Arizona and he went up to like a mountain town, uh, which is typically more isolated. And he was amazed because it was everyone was doing all these things. And then he one of the things that always stuck out to me was somebody had kept their bees. They had bees in their kitchen. The beehives were in the kitchen, like inside the house, mm -hmm. and they would keep the windows open and let them sort of flit around. That's how our people work. Like, yeah, there will be people that will be scared shitless of bees, just like there are people that are scared shitless of dogs. While you can have, you know, a person who's like five foot nothing have dogs bigger than them that they can freaking just pet and play with like their puppies. Right. There's always going to be that diversity of thought, that diversity of how people think mm -hmm. and experience life. But in the end, our people, we don't want to create things that just make us and everything around us miserable. Nobody, nobody really by nature wants to pollute the rivers till they're unusable and undrinkable. Nobody wants to tear down all the forests. Nobody wants to pollute the ocean. Yeah, all these depopulate. arguments of returning to nature and how, how we should actually run things, they always go to this, but what if somebody up rivers shitting in the water, shitting in the river? Then go up river, find the person shitting in the river, kick their motherfucking asses and tell them to stop. Well, and the idea... This is the natural way of things. Oh, yeah. Well, we have fists for a reason. We have claws for a reason. Just because they've convinced us we no longer have claws and... You could argue, I guess, taking it away by softening us up does not mean we've forgotten how to use them. Mm -hmm. and here's the thing is something you just said, uh, return to nature. People always say return to nature, return to nature. Much like the Hoffs episode where we pointed out that perhaps the reason you're homesick for a home you've never had is because you need to build it, not find it. Instead of returning to nature, let nature return to us. Yeah. Because here's the thing is nature's constantly coming back. Well, yeah, it's the, uh, and I've even given examples of this before where I, I move into a place and there's this big yard and it's it's like all sand and in a year or so it's all lawn. I've spent no money on grass seed. And in a couple of years, the soil's black. And then in five years, there's trees growing everywhere. Well, and people's like, oh, how did you do this? And. And all the money that you must have spent on this, I spent not a dime. Well, well uh, except for a couple pounds of earthworms. Well, and something as simple as just not fighting it can have a really positive effect. Like where we live, it's it's a fairly urban environment. But 
right outside our door, there's this very large bush mm-hmm. that has grown like three times its size since we moved in. And there are at least two bird nests, I think, in there. I'm surprised. Uh, there's they ha- three or four in there generally, and then there's a squirrel nest. Uh, like chipmunk, just around the corner. There's a shrew that was living. I think it got eaten. We even have have some vegetables growing out there that we didn't pay for seeds. No, it just we we, we threw an onion out there for the opossum, that, and now we have onions. Yeah, that had um a uh, well as a piece. Of, everybody knows the bottom of the onion. You cut it off. It happened to have some roots on it. And just on a lark, I just kicked some dirt over it. Now there's some onions growing. Same thing with other various plants that do that. You don't have to go buy. When you buy the vegetable, you are buying the seed. In most cases, yeah. In most cases, you are buying the seed. Even even the carrots. If it grows roots out the bottom or it's got seeds on the top, there you go. There's your seed. Well, it's like tomatoes. All you got to do to get heirloom tomato seeds is go buy an heirloom tomato. And then take some seeds and plant or, the seeds that's inside of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're uh, you have I don't know you're cutting up the tomato and then the slice falls on the floor. If you're not someone who's willing to just rinse off that tomato slice and keep eating it, just throw it out and throw some dirt on it. You'll have some tomato plants. Right, assuming that there's some seeds in, in that, that slice, slice of tomato. Otherwise, what you did was you threw some food out for worms, for various insects, for birds, for squirrels, for whatever. Well, in the area we live in, um, and, and we're not saying throw out twenty pounds of, of no, food don't, a day. don't waste don't, food. Don't don't waste food. No, well, we it's the scraps. Yeah, and here's the thing: is something as small as just not shooing the animals away, like you can have like I can look out our window almost any point in time in the day, and there will be robins hunting. Mm-hmm. There will be birds hopping around. There will be chicks chirping. There will be birds in the nest there will be chipmunks people's commented on how our corner of the building it's like a nature a tiny little nature reserve how did you guys do that simply by not chasing them away yes that's it well the thing is but how did you get all the plants there we don't know they just showed up well here's the thing is animals yes there is the factor of we are predators so Mm -hmm. animals are going to avoid us on that notion but just like there will be deer that will go up to bears or wolves or coyotes because here's the thing is things aren't always hungry so like when the bear is not hungry the deer is perfectly safe Mm -hmm. because it can only fit so much in its belly yeah and you do actually see that on occasion in nature the bear and the deer hanging out with each other the deer might even be laying right up against the bear the deer might be the bear's pet Right up until the bear is really hungry and there's nothing else to eat. And then, well, sorry, Timmy the deer, but you are the next thing to eat. Yes, kind of like uh, lions when they have a monkey that they're planning on eating. But until them, until they decide to eat it, the monkey's just in their paws. Like, yes. Help me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just the thing. It's the way that it is. But we can actually incorporate all these little things into our lives so easily some to get it on a larger scale as in uh i don't know the the quad quadrant of your suburb or whatever you might have to actually become part of the homeowners association or run for council but when you run for these things be very verbal go out shake 
kiss hands and shake babies and say, you know what? My my idea for this isn't to put more rules in place. It's to remove some of the rules because who are we to tell you that your lawn has to be no more than three quarters of an inch long? What does it matter? Allow you want a bird bath in your in your yard, but the town council won't allow it unless you pay a five hundred dollar licensing fee a year to have. You got a license? Yeah, you got a license for that bird feeder or for that that water fountain. These these are stupid rules. It has nothing to do with safety or health. It's just about control. I believe everybody in this community is made up of grown ups and can make their own decisions. Try running on that. Well, it's, worst that happens is absolutely nothing. There's the the worst case scenario is nothing comes of it. Well, the agency of people has continuously been eroded. Yeah, we are treated like infants across the board. Well, that's why we don't speak on our podcast and baby talk, is because we believe that the people that listen to our po- podcast are smart enough to listen and to understand the words that we use in the order that we use them in. We understand people have agency. People are capable of intelligence. They don't need their hand held, and they don't need to be told what they can and cannot do. Well, and actually holding their hands actually makes it harder for them to have agency. Yeah. It's a lot like parents. Most parents will have a period where they have to stop themselves from constantly trying to help their kids so that they can actually grow up and experience things. They have Mm -hmm. to have a shorter leash. So this constant hand-holding, this constant, this is a rule, follow it. This is, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. You can do this, but you got to get a license for this, et cetera, et cetera. It's just going to get worse and worse. It's like people will say, well, the animals are, the the fish are dying. We got to stop fishing. Well, like we said in the industry podcast, reduce the industrial fishing. And all of a sudden, there's plenty of fish in the rivers and the sea and all these other things. Like, you've experienced this firsthand. The trawlers get out of the shallows of the Great Lakes. All of a sudden, there's There's more. plenty of fish for, oh, yeah. the, for the regular folk. What, what, what was that one fish called? Uh, the smelt? Smelt. The, the one that has no prettier name. Yes. Yeah, so the, it, the smelt. And the trawlers will come right up into the inlets. And then it's not just the people that don't have the fish. It's also the wildlife because the trawlers are scooping them all up and selling them as fish that they aren't. Well, and here's the thing is like in America, part of the reason that there's stricter game laws for like hunting is because there was this period of time where it was really fashionable unlike high society to have like game menus. Yes. And they would have like. Just, just a huge yeah, assortment of almost game animals. never has anything to do with the plebs, with us, the common folk. It's always got to do with industry and the wealthy, and that's what ends up causing these rules. So the the game the game laws, for instance, it was so that the wealthy could have the wild game menus. It wasn't to pr- protect the wildlife. From the plebs well, because the plebs were killing them all. No, it was to ensure that the, the rich folk got their share well, and, and some. Well, and here's the thing is I'm not trying to vilify the rich. No. No, but they have substantially more legislative power based on their position in society, so they're able to enforce those those options for themselves a bit easier. Right. Well, 
the like a conversation that we had the other day, you can have, let's take Bill Gates because most people don't like Bill Gates. You got Bill Gates and all his world views and everything that he's working towards and spending all of his wealth on. And then you have Pleb, who has barely two pennies to rub together, who holds exactly the same worldviews as Bill Gates, who has more power, who can actually affect society at large for the better or for the worse, regardless of, of your your position. Of course, Bill Gates. That's why so much of the responsibility is laid there. There are some that have done good things or at least done things with good intentions like uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I think it was, started the national park system. Yes, and there's negatives that have happened as a result Directly of that. Directly because of that. But those weren't his intention. Those were typically the people that came in afterwards. Yes, and there are issues, of course, like any political individual, no matter how idealized they are, there are issues with Teddy Roosevelt. But a lot of the things he did that were positives did have negative effects overall. But the long and the short of it is people have to be people. That's that's what it comes back to. to people first. Circle. Yes. When it comes to villages, you can't get a village from a central planning committee. No. Just like you can't get a community from a central planning committee. Just like you can't get a culture from a central planning committee. It comes from people. Everything stems from people when it comes to people. Yeah. Shocker. An architect cannot design a home. An architect can only design a house. It is up to the person to make it a home. Well, and then... Uh, and this is something else I was going to bring up before we shoot out of here. Is the sense of... Of personal responsibility. People have been discouraged from having a sense of personal responsibility. And really, it's been twisted. What is a sense of personal responsibility? So on and so forth. But there's, there's the easiest description I can think of is the trees. We have to cut, cut down all the trees beside the road because the limbs are growing out. And then when winter comes, the limbs are falling on cars. Why the fuck are you parking under the limb? Well, and then here's the question is, because trees are always going to drop limbs. Anyone who has been around trees knows they drop limbs. If there's a big one that looks like it's going to fall, it's probably not a good idea to go there. Like, right. there's nothing wrong with pruning trees. Or if you know, in the wintertime, ice builds up on the limbs and they snap off. When wintertime comes, just don't park under those. Try your driveway. But I have three cars in a one-car driveway then I guess you have to get creative. But don't park under those. That is the sense of responsibility. Don't just cut down the tree because you can't not park underneath the the uh, the limb. There's always a way around. Well, and I guess long and the short of it comes down to do people think that people can be adults, can actually ha be autonomous and make the correct decisions or do they think people will endlessly need their hands held by people who think themselves their betters? Because one option gets you central planned everything until it's all sterile and uh, barren. Because not everybody can. Well, whatever. everything ends up with a price tag when things are centrally planned because everything's on a budget. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to people doing things for the purpose of people, people come first. 
it's not a philosophy, it's biology. I guess that's the long and the short of it. All right, and uh, yeah, we're right at the end, so I'm going to I'm going to shoot out here. I hope everybody had fun with our discussion, thought about some stuff, got something out of it. Um, yeah, and make sure that you can support us on Patreon, buy us a coffee, all that good stuff. You guys know the drill, and we hope to see you around. All right, uh, until next week. <laughs>